We welcome you now to a true church perspective with Pastor G. Craig Lewis. In biblical times, baptism was visible, was a visible act that showed a person leaving their old beliefs to become a Christian by partaking in the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus through what? Submerging. Okay, so what's going on here is back in the olden days, now you can imagine, before Christianity came on the scene, everyone had a belief. Nobody was, there were no atheists back then. They weren't atheists. They had, they either believed in false gods or they believed in the true and living God. And that was it. You had to have a belief because everyone had a belief. And you know, an atheist does have a belief. Their belief is they believe in nothing. That's still a belief. It's like a non-denominational church. You have a denomination. Your denomination is non-denominational. Because if we grouping everybody in groups, that's a group. <laughs> that's just real logic right there. Okay. So in biblical times, everyone had a belief. So when Christianity came on the scene, they wanted, God wanted a visible illustration of you leaving your old beliefs and coming into a new belief. And that was baptism. Something happened spiritually, but God wanted everyone to see it, for it to be visible. To give you confidence and to show others that you were a new creation. See, some people are like, let's see, the outward appearance don't matter. The outward appearance does matter. I said the outward appearance. It don't matter. Then drive in the hood with your window down and your doors unlocked. And let some of the brothers with the outward appearance of a thug walk up to your car and tell me that the... the or the crackhead with the, with the squeegee and the water. water. <laughs> Tell me appearance don't matter. Oh, come on, man. Come on, come on. Bring that squeegee. No, his appearance is telling you what's about to happen. Right? Yeah, but the, the, the outward appearance. You go to a job and you want the job, you better have the right appearance. Amen. Now, if you're going to be the French fry chef, it really don't matter. You can go with your hair bag on. Yeah, you can wear a bag over your head. You can. Yeah, you're just going. Yeah, you're just flipping fries. I'm, I'm just changing the fry grease out. I'm not even frying the fries. I'm the grease. I empty the grease and put the new grease in. Yeah, it don't really matter. But if you're gonna be in the front, working the register, it matters. Amen. You, you, amen. Can't have your hair all over your head where well, you used to couldn't. Now they kind of let everything. Remember, they used to make you wear a hair net. Now, and I won't take food from certain looks. Nah, bro, you, you cook this? Oh, I need my money back, bro. I need my money back. Because I can tell by the outward appearance, you don't care much. You're not going to care about my food at all because you don't care about the way you look. I judge people like that. Yes, sir. I'm a judge. Call me the judge. You shouldn't judge. I'm the, I'm Judy. I bang the gavel. Just, I hate. I don't care. I'm judging. And brother, I, you, you can't cook my food looking like that. Go to a restaurant. If the waiter come up to take my order and musty, I need the manager. 
Because I don't, I do, my food ain't gonna taste right. I need to savor the flavor of my food. I need to smell it. We smell must. Need to smell fish and I ain't ordered no fish. <laughs> that was too far. Did I go too far? Who ordered the catch of the day? I know I didn't. <laughs> Baptism. <laughs> yeah, but submerging, when they would see you going to the lake, a lot of people are obsessed with getting baptized in the Jordan River or whatever, and that's their prerogative. I mean, I, the water don't matter. And Jordan, Jesus ain't there. That's the only thing that would excite me about the Jordan River. Is Jesus going to be there? Like, are we going to be standing in line together? Because I have lots of questions. He might not make it in the water. But Jesus, Jesus, oh, he'd be sick of me. No, but that, that doesn't matter. You know, but people do that. And, oh, I baptize. They take pictures and upload it for the full effect or whatever. But that's, that is no difference. They chose that water because it was close. Yeah, the Jordan River was closed. It was right there. Okay, so, but the submerging act, when they would see the groups, people would come and be like, what's going on here? Oh, we're getting baptized in the name of Jesus under the authority and power of Jesus Christ because we're becoming Christians. We're becoming new creations. And it would be a witnessing tool out there, right? But the submerging also had a lot of significance. Acts 2 and, 2 and 41 says, so those who received his word were baptized, and there were added that day about 3,000 souls. We got five elders a day doing 250 people. Just imagine back then. 3,000 people? 3,000 people added. But they were, they received, those that received, look at somebody say receive. Those that received it, meaning accepted it as truth. What you're saying is truth to me. I'm accept. I'm gonna accept it. The Bible says that they were baptized, meaning, well, then you, there has to be a public display of that. I used to like this about the old church. You know, the old church had their ways about doing certain things, but one thing I really liked about them is you couldn't get saved in your seat. You better march up front, and you better let everybody know that you are declaring Jesus Christ as your personal savior. Because it wouldn't make sense for you to do it from your seat in here and then got to go out there and live it in front of everybody. So you might as well come up here and live it in front of it. I mean, and say it in front of everyone and then live it in front of everyone. Amen. There ain't nothing wrong with that. Making a public confession. Some of y'all, I, I don't know if you saved or not. Just by the way you act. But Acts said those that received the word were baptized. Water represents what? purification and being reborn that's why when you when you nine months in your term ladies you know we have a lot of you that 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 are that specialize in that in here yeah yeah y'all got it down packed some of you delivering your own babies husband get home where that baby come from i just had it that happened for real so, but you understand when your nine ones come to turn, what's the, what's the most, I guess, common warning that the process is about to start? What happens? 
water breaks. Water comes out. Water that helped form and shape this baby into who it is. Right? So water is a sign of life. The act of coming up out of the water represents dying and rising again as new. So when the baby comes up out of the water, the baby is a brand new creation. Right? And it's the same here. Uh, when we are baptized, when we go in, we represent dying or, or being placed in the grave. And then when we come up, we're made new. Romans 6 and 4. Therefore, we are buried with him by baptism into death. That like as Christ was raised up from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we all should, should also should do what? Walk in the newness of life. So we go down and we, we do exactly what he did. We were buried with him by baptism. When he died, we were placed down as if we died symbolically. Then we come up brand new, walking in a newness of life. You don't come up brand new and, and act like you used to act. Like the old folks say, you just ain't saved. And they act like you can't, you can't judge. You don't know their heart. I know their heart by the action. The Bible said uh, uh, the issues of life come out of your heart. So I can judge by your decisions. Something is still wrong with your heart. If the first thing you do, if the first thing you do is to separate yourself from the people you used to be with in your old life, then that tells me something in your heart changed. But if that doesn't change and you want to stay with them, then obviously you don't see much wrong with them. So you don't see much was wrong with you. So you don't make the change. That's not look at somebody say that's not salvation. Amen. That's not salvation. Well, it's a process. Oh, no, stop that. A process of what? Changing your mind? Now, you're not going to get everything right, but there's some things you must get right. And the first thing is sin. How are you born again from sin and still in sin? You don't have a desire to get out of sin. You don't have a desire to be born again. Oh, the amens are thinning out. What are we talking about? A new creation, a new creature don't do what the old creature did. The Bible said the old things are passed away. Behold what? He's talking about behavior. He's not talking about your hair. All things become new. And that's what the old church, that's one thing I didn't like. They would try to change the way you looked on the outside without checking what was going on on the inside. When the inside will change the outside. Oh, I know I'm preaching. Yeah, you get the, you get the spirit of slut out of the inside. You ain't got to worry about what she's putting on and where she's shopping. Him too. Get them demons out of him. He won't be buying shirts from Spencer's. Glow in the dark devil shirts. So we should walk in the newness of life. A deeper meaning comes from the flood and how the old ones perished in the water in Noah's day. God used the water to purify the earth and only how many survived? Eight. Only eight. Water purification purified the whole earth. Only eight survived. Submerging should also illustrate this and how the unclean spirits were severed from us when we come out of the water. 
And we know this by what Jesus said in Luke 24. When the unclean spirit is gone out of a man, he walketh through what kind of places? Dry places. Seeking what? What is he resting from? Walking. Because water destroys him. And so when God purified the earth with water, he separated the spirits, the, the demons from the Nephilim. They walk around. And then they go back. The Bible says, they say, I can't find nowhere to go. So I'm going to return to my house whence I came out, which is basically a body of a person. That's what you don't want to do. You don't want to get baptized and cleansed from unclean spirits and then go right back and get all the unclean spirits. The Bible said if you do that, it's going to be seven times as many. Don't touch the water if you're not trying to change. Can I keep preaching in here? What folks scared of the truth? Ooh, that's just too hard. You got to give people a chance. Man, I don't have to do nothing but what the Bible say. The Bible is giving you a chance. That's why I understand. You got a chance to change. I'm tired of that. You have a chance to change. The Catholic Church Institute in sprinkling as a mockery of submerging. Mocking. Sprinkling represents an ineffective purification process where the entire being is not cleansed or dead, but the old man is still alive. I ain't going to say what they call that, that, what kind of bath that is, or you just splash. (laughs) All the old heathens know what I'm talking about. (laughs) Back in the day, heathens. You know (laughs) I'm going to leave that alone. <laughs> but, but you can't get clean from sprinkling. Especially when you stank and rotten. You, you didn't play basketball all day. Then you go home and sprinkle. You must. That's not going to do anything. I like, never heard a baptism message like this before. <laughs> Hey man, I'm telling the truth though. That sprinkling was a mockery. It's a mockery because it's, it, it keeps the old man in his filthy state. And they do that on purpose. See, Catholicism makes money off of sin. They ain't trying to clean you up. If they clean you up, they're all out of a job. They charge you for confession. They charge you to get out of purgatory. They charge you to get out of, you know, out of hell. They, they charge for all of that. So they need you as rotten and wretched as you can be so they can get paid. Yeah, that's, that's, that's what they do. So sprinkling keeps you rotten and it don't fully cleanse you. Right? I mean, we can just take a basic illustration. You know that, the one I just gave you. I mean, water has to, you have to be submerged to be really clean. The Greek word for baptism is baptisma which is the noun form, or baptizo, which is the verb form, and both of them mean to do what? Submerge. Submerge. What's the Greek word for sprinkling? It's not in the Bible. The Bible uses submerge. Amen. So we submerge it in here. That's why we don't do the infantile baptism and christening. None of that's biblical. All of that's Catholic. 
I know y'all want to go dedicate your child and do whatever you're going to do, but that don't work. That child going to grow up still. You're going to have to do what everyone else did and try to teach him and guide him in the way of the Lord. Amen. That, that, you can't revert back. Oh, but when you was little, remember when I gave you to the Lord? <laughs> he sprinkled you and thumbed your head with the... <laughs> no, 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 no. Infantile baptism, we don't do that. But we are baptizing children in here with submerging. Amen. Yeah, yeah. And so under your authority in your home, you should want everybody baptized. What if they don't understand? Well, you'll tell them later. But you need submerging, not sprinkling. I don't know how many times I've been baptized. I think every time the water was running, they told me to get in. They're trying to get, get it out of me. Get them spirits out of this boy. Every time the water's running, you get in it. <laughs> but that's the Greek word. So the Greek word actually means being Submerged. Amen? Y'all still with me? Okay. All right. We don't have any Catholics in here that still try to do it that way, do we? Okay. Because you're going to be disappointed. We have a sprinkling line. Even though that would be easier <laughs> when we considered it. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> but faith is. The only requirement for one to be saved. Look at somebody and say, faith is the only requirement. That's the only requirement for you to be saved, is to believe. But here's the thing. You have to believe to the saving of your soul. Some of y'all haven't had a true born-again experience because you don't believe to save your soul. You believe what you're hearing, but you don't believe it enough to receive it. And receive it means change. If you don't believe it enough to change, you don't believe to the saving of your soul. You want to stay the same, then you feel nothing's wrong with you, and you insult God and frustrate his grace. Amen. But y'all going to quit watching these celebrities, Justin Bieber and Kanye and all these folk that's confessing Christ and all these folks getting baptized in the Jordan, and now they all coming out with gospel songs and all this. Don't you understand these folks are trying to ease their conscience because they've killed children for their fame? They've spilt blood to be famous. So they're trying to stamp Jesus on it so they can sleep at night. And you all, your prayer, oh, Lord, touch him. Touch Justin, Lord, who make him feel the Justin, Lord, Justin. You better be praying for Willie laying right there next to you. He the one tearing your life up. You listening to Justin because of Willie. Oh, no, Justin. Y'all would be shocked at the stuff G. Craig Lewis knows. I can talk to some of these folks. I know what's going on. And everything you seeing on the internet is not what's going on. These folks trying to quiet their, they can't sleep at night. Because sacrifices keep coming back and hunting them. And I can't help them. They come to me, I'm like, brother, I can't help you. If you're trying to keep the fame. 
I'm going to tell you, I got one message. Walk away from it all. That's my message. Walk away from it all. Make the same decision I made. Leave it alone. That's, all, that's, my own, that's the only message I got. So don't call me if you're trying to partner with the world and keep it and keep the faith. You are not baptized to be regenerated. Salvation does that. But it symbolizes that you were regenerated by your faith. So baptism is a symbol. It symbolizes your regeneration. Amen? It demonstrates the change that has what? You ain't saved if you don't change. Look at somebody say, you ain't saved. Say, ain't too. You ain't saved. I don't care if you got a college degree, Jordan. You ain't saved. Say it like I said it. Don't correct it. <laughs> you ain't saved. If you don't change. That's how you know. The Bible says examine yourself to know that you are in the faith. All you got to do is look. Have I changed? Then I'm not in the faith if I haven't changed. Baptism is important because Jesus gave this ordinance to the church. Along with teaching and making disciples. We do it because he said we should. Isn't that a good enough reason? Can I, I could just stop the message right there. It's a good enough reason because he said we should, we ought to do it. Matthew 28 and 19, go ye therefore, teach all nations, doing what? Baptizing them in the name of the Father, of the Son, and of the what? Holy Ghost. Now let me deal with this right quick for the folks that you know. (laughs) What's the name? See, they used to tell us, you know, when... The Kojic Church, the yeah, other remember this, when the, Co- when the Church of God in Christ and the Pentecostal Apostolics first fell out, because there was no Pentecostal Apostolic. The Kojic started, somebody in Kojic got mad at the Kojics and wanted to start their own, so they went and got the Bible and twisted the scripture that said, baptize in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Ghost, and changed it to Jesus only, or in Jesus' name only. And that's how they started the Pentecostal Apostolic Doctrine. And it was just... I need to twist something to make us have an identity, right? Even though this was not real good, it just wasn't a good exegesis of the scripture. It just, you, you, didn't, you didn't do a good job because in some scriptures, you're going to have to contradict yourself if you try to make this about the name. So they, they, they told us. They would, they would come outside of our church and we was coming out of service. I mean, my dad preached at a couple of outside because they would let you come preach. They let other denominations come and preach. But you better know they're going to try to correct you afterwards. And so they would catch us outside. You've been baptized? He said, yeah. What they say when you're baptized? Father, Son, and the Holy Ghost? Well, you got to be baptized in Jesus' name. I said, but the Bible said in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Ghost. Yeah, but what's the name? The name of the Father and of the Son and the Holy Ghost, what's the name? Is your name Father? Is your name Son? Then you, what's the name? You got to be baptized in the name. They, man, I'm telling you, one dude at school, I was in high school, and he asked me that. He was my good friend, too. He was like, man, you, you, you weren't baptized in Jesus', Jesus name only? I said, not a baptized in Paul He reached in his back pocket and pulled out a scroll. <laughs> what you, where did that come from? Nah, see, and he had all his right on it. Just, I mean, they had to school him to where he would carry his notes around. He died a bum on the streets. 
because they had programmed his mind and made him think he had to defend that. That makes no sense. This scripture is not talking about the name of the Father and the name of the Son and the name of the Holy Ghost. It's talking about in the authority because back then, the name meant whose name are you doing this under? So it was authority. And this came but in, in, in a monarchy where there's, uh, you're under the king's rule, you do things in the name of the king. So whenever they would come and bring a decree, I come or, or talk to another monarch or another group, another sect, whatever, they would have to say, I come in the name of the king. And he said, if you're going to speak for the king, you speak with his authority in the name of the king. Right? They knew by what you had on and who you was with whose name it was. You had the name insignia on you. You didn't have to say, I come in the name of King so-and-so. You just say, I come in the name of the king if he's the king. Oh, I'm preaching in here. See, somebody don't understand. But the name of the king is the authority. Look at somebody say, the name of the king is the authority of the king. So I'm operating under his authority. And you trying to talk to the administrator of the church? You're going to talk to Julian? Julian's going to you're going to go to Julian, and Julian is going to speak on whose behalf? Mine. In the name of the pastor. You already know, because you, you saw the sign on the building. You've been in here. You don't have to say, well, Pastor Lewis. He don't have to say that. He's just going to speak with my authority because I gave him that authority. Right? So when we baptize, we don't have to say it. We just don't have to say it. I have to say in Jesus' name before you go down if we're all gathered there together under Jesus' authority. Oh, hand claps then. And wait a minute, Pastor. Just get take your name off. You just go tell him I'm sorry. This is one of them new, new contemporary baptisms that I can't be a part of it because I need the name called. I need the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost saved. Yeah. But they didn't do this back in the Bible days. They started saying the name of the Father, the name of the Son, the name of the Holy Ghost during sprinkling in Catholicism. Omnipadre, Estide, Espirito Santo. That's what they said. It's the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. I learned that from Godfather. You know I ain't been to no mass. I didn't know I could speak Latin up in here. I go, I go with the Latin. You can't say but three things. <laughs> but seriously, though, they, that, that started then. But as far as our identity, when we assemble at this place under the authority of Jesus Christ and we are baptized, the words aren't, it don't matter what we're saying. If we silently baptize all of y'all, it's going to be it under the authority of the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. Okay. I just want to get this straight now so you know what you're doing. When you come in there, you're going to get in the lines. You're going to be baptized. I'm going to be talking in my own microphone, but they're not going to say nothing. They're going to give you instructions where to put your hands, where to, how to hold your nose, how to bend your knees, go down, bring you up, and you're going to be baptized. And it's going to symbolize what it symbolized. But it doesn't take 
the actual speaking of this formula. The Jews of ancient times, this is predates Jesus, would baptize to signify converts cleanse nature. And that came from what, the, you know, the ordinance gave the priest. They would have to cleanse themselves before they came into the presence of the Lord. And so that's where Jewish cleansing actually came from. Then John the Baptist used baptism to pre pre prepare the way of the Lord, requiring everyone, not just Gentiles, to be baptized to show repentance. So he did the baptism of repentance. However, John's baptism symbolizing repentance is not the same as our baptism today because we're, the death, burial, and resurrection had not taken place yet. Acts 19 and 4. Then said Paul, John verily baptized with the baptism of repentance, saying unto the people that they should believe on him which should come after him, that is, on Jesus Christ. So when they heard this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. So this is after Jesus. They were already baptized by John for repentance. But Paul told him, said, well, no, now that Jesus is gone, we need to baptize you again in the name of the Lord Jesus. Under the authority of the risen Savior. Now it's going to rep represent something different. Not just you repenting, but it's going to represent death, burial, and resurrection so you can partake in his death. Baptism is to be done in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. This is what makes it a Christian baptism. Baptism by water is a reenactment. And the same thing applies here, the name of the Father, Son, under the authority of the Father, Son, and the Holy Ghost. That's what makes it a Christian baptism. Because we are Christians gathered, it's a Christian baptism. Baptism by water is a reenactment of the baptism by the Spirit. It is through this ordinance that a person is admitted into the fellowship of the church and the body of Christ. So this was the standard. In order to get in the church, you had to be submerged. To signify it. Okay? It wasn't a requirement for salvation, but it was a requirement to get in the church. Christian baptism is the means by which a person makes a public profession of faith and discipleship. Meaning, I'm going to show everyone what I really mean or who, what I'm really a part of. In the waters of baptism, a person says wordlessly, I confess faith in Christ. Jesus has cleansed my soul from sin and I now have a new life of sanctification. You don't say it, your actions are symbolizing it, but this is what should be on your mind when you're going down and coming back up. I'm leaving the old me in this water. The old man is dead. Very simply, baptism is an outward testimony of the inward change in a believer's life. Christian baptism is an act of obedience to the Lord after salvation. Although baptism is closely associated with salvation, it is not a requirement to be saved. Okay? That's what we believe here. Amen. Amen. First Peter 3 and 20, which sometimes were disobedient when once the long suffering of God waited in the days of Noah, while the ark was a preparing, wherein few, that is eight souls were saved by what? Eight souls were saved by what? Water. This is very significant in what we're doing today. The like figure whereunto baptism doth also now save us, not salvation. Or not the putting away of the filth of the flesh, but the answer of a what? Good conscience towards God. Good conscience. Now understand what good conscience is. When you have a good conscience, you feel better about things. Ain't that what a good conscience is? I feel better about things. So when you get baptized, you go down in the water, you come back up, your conscience ought to be good. 
I just did something to demonstrate a change in me. So now I'm going to walk in this change in a good conscience. Whoever I was before I got in that water, I'm not that anymore. My conscience is good now. All right. Amen. You better get on that list. Yeah. Ain't nothing wrong with that either. That's why we're doing it. But my conscience is clear. I, I did some things. I was into some things. I was doing some things. And I hadn't really, I, I felt like I was saved, but my born again experience wasn't complete. But when I come out of this water, I got a good conscience. By the resurrection of Jesus Christ. I taught this in uh, part 12, but I'm going to reiterate it for you. Baptism does not produce salvation in the text I just read. Rather, it corresponds to something that does, the death of Jesus and the resurrection. We do not baptize to save, but we baptize what? Because we're saved. This is a symbolic act. Baptism in New Testament theology is a loyalty oath. You hear that? A loyalty oath. A public avowal of who is on the Lord's side in the cosmic war between good and evil. Okay, here we go. Now it gets spiritual. When you come in there, put you in the water, a cosmic war is taking place now. Because now you are making a public confession to the devil that I'm accepting this, the full ordinance of Jesus Christ. Yeah. Folks get delivered when they come out the water. You know how I know? Because that's what happened during the flood. Demons can't swim. <laughs> it is also a reminder of the Nephilim's destruction in Noah's day. And I read this passage already. Unclean spirit gone out. Dry places seeking rest. Every baptism is therefore a reiteration of the past and future doom of these Enoch's, of Enoch's watchers in the wake of the gospel and the kingdom of God. Early Christians understood this. They knew exactly what this typology meant uh, in this passage. And it links back to, of course, Enoch and Genesis 6, where the evil spirits were severed from the Nephilim bodies by the flood. Jesus, uh, God used water for a reason. He destroyed bodies, separated the spirits. Spirits had nowhere to go. Spirits looking for humans to get in. You get baptized. Spirits can't hold on. You basically given an illustration of the flood all over again. Now don't get happy in the water and get the sloshing and we gonna just let you have it. Push you on in the eight feet. You better keep, you better keep pet swinging. <laughs> Folks get happy in the water. And, I, you know, we just an emotional people. So I'm not knocking them, but y'all don't do it. We, we, <laughs> it's too many. It's too many. You don't want to take our strength. And we're going to have to cut it short. <laughs> but it is something. It is something powerful that happens. Because we're not only symbolically doing it, but there is something in another realm that's happening. Like we are, y'all, y'all really, we sticking it to the devil. That's what you're doing. You're showing him, yeah, yeah, it's happening again. 
you're losing again. Can't speak for everybody, but you lost one. Summary! The Holy Spirit comes to cleanse, baptize, and purify us of what? Come on, y'all. Unclean spirits and salvation. You're saved from unclean spirits. Water and the spirit represents the flood cleansing of evil. The spirits of the Nephilim, which are demons, are still walking around dry places looking for bodies to inhabit. When we are full of the spirit and the washing of the word, like the Bible says, we are not what? Dry. That's why the Bible always refers to it as some kind of water experience. The washing and regeneration of the word is what the Bible says. The living, uh, this living water destroys the works of the flesh and works of the fallen sons. Evil spirits cannot dwell where God's water is. I remember they sing that old song and I had no idea what they were talking about. Out of your belly. Remember, out of your belly. Out of your belly. Out of your belly. Shall flow. 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 Rivers. Living water. They used to sing that. And I didn't know what that song was talking about. I didn't know, but now I understand. The water has to be constantly flowing. You can, we can go back to Revelations and find out what happens when water is stagnant and it sits. Yeah, I was riding on the bike trail a couple of months ago. We were on a trail in Legacy, uh, River Legacy. And we rode that trail like four times in a row. We actually did the EKG on that trail, which is just a very, very tough trail. And I started getting sick again. I, the mole thing came back in full force. Ended up spending one day, whole day in the bed. And I was sick. I was like, what is going? What is going on? And I called Ed, and I was like, he's like, you okay, Pastor? Because you didn't look right on the trail. And I was like, man, I, I don't know what it is about this trail. He said, well, I got video of it. And he had taken video, and he played the video back and showed me the steel. And he said, look on the side of you on that trail. And literally, the, 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 the trail we was riding on is a foot, probably a foot wide. And on both sides, the water was solid green, nothing but algae. All the stuff that was in my backyard was on this trail. And not just right there, throughout the entire trail, all the pictures showed it. So I ended up having a relapse. I had to get like an emergency kit from the doctor and all that. I mean, because it was all coming back. And it, it was, but it was because that water was stagnant. That water wasn't moving. It just sitting. And for years, how many years? Maybe three years since that real big rain all that water has sat. So probably three or four inches on the top of that is nothing but just filth. That's what happened when water stands still. Stagnant. That's what the Bible talked about. Lukewarm water in Laodicea. Water that's not moving is stagnant. But living water moves. He said we need to be like the tree planted by the rivers of what? Of what? Living water. It's constantly moving. It won't sit and get corrupted. It won't sit and get foul and a stench develop. But it's moving and it keeps things alive. It keeps life. And that's what it symbolizes. Rivers of living water symbolizes life. That's what the water you're going to get baptized in. It symbolizes new life. The washing, the regeneration of the word. But spirits look for dry places. When we are full of the spirit and the washing of the word. 
We are not dry, but we are filled with rivers of living water that continuously what? They continuously what? Purify and cleanse us from what? Evil inhabitants. We should have a perpetual flood flowing through us to prepare us for the coming of Christ. This living water destroys the works of the flesh and works of the fallen sons. Evil spirits cannot dwell where God's water is. So as we baptize in the physical realm, we are symbolizing what takes place in the godly realm. God defeated the plight of the fallen sons and drowned the Nephilim in the flood, giving their spirits no place to live. Water baptism not only represents our cleansing from them, but it also shows how we are reborn as what? New creations. This action is something they can never do. This is why Jesus wants us to do it, because they can't do it. After we are baptized, we should live as what? New creations. Cleanse from the old ones and our what? Old. That's how you know you cleanse from the old ones, because your ways change. If you still got old ways, you still got old ones. Scripture tells us, Colossians 2 and 12, buried with him in baptism, wherein also ye are risen with him through the faith of the operation of God, who hath raised him from the dead. And you being dead in your what? Sins and the uncircumcision of your flesh, hath he quickened together with him, having forgiveness or having forgiven you all of your trespasses. Blotting out the handwriting of ordinances that was against us, which was contrary to us, and took it out of the way, nailing it to the cross. Your entire penalty is paid. And this is the good part. Having spoiled principalities and powers, he made a show of them what? Openly. Openly. Triumphing over them in it. God is into doing things openly, publicly. I tell you, if you got to get in any organization or whatever and it's a secret, it's not God. God don't do secret ceremonies and secret induction rituals and secret this and secret that. God does things openly. God considers that things done in the dark. God does things in the light. He wants everyone to see. So when you get baptized, he wants everyone to know you are proclaiming that I am in the faith and that I'm leaving the old me behind. Amen. Amen. Everyone stand to your feet. We are not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ, for it's the power of God unto salvation. If you're ashamed of it, there's no power. It's the power of God unto salvation. So today we're going to do this, and you need to mean it. If you're on the list, you want to get baptized, but you want to make sure you mean it, and you want what you just heard, I want you to come up. I'm going to pray with you just as a group. Just come up. Just come up, whoever it is. If you say, hey, I'm on the list, and I want this to be right, I want it, I want it, I want to, I need to leave something in the water. If you need to leave, yeah, y'all come up here. You need to leave something, I need to leave something in this water. And I'm not bringing it back up with me. It's going to stay in the water. I'm burying it with the old man. And when I come up, I'm going to be 
a new creation. You've been listening to A True Church Perspective with Pastor G. Craig Lewis, founder of EX Ministries and pastor of the Adamant Believers Council in North Richland Hills, Texas. If this message has been a blessing to you and you would like to be a financial blessing to us, please send your donation to EX Ministries, P.O. Box 24870, Fort Worth, Texas 76124 or donate online at exministries.com.